You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote, all, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I love how he, how he puts this. I remember the first time I saw this and I thought, do you realize that after Jesus was raised from the dead that he spent 40 days speaking about the kingdom to his disciples? And, and I, sign me up. I, I want to take that class. I want to be there and, and experience that. And we have those post-resurrection experiences uh, some of them, just a few of them, recorded in the Gospels. But there's a, there's a real sense that there was so much more that was taking place than, than what we have. It could be that Jesus kind of reminded them of, uh, of John 14, 15, and 16, his little discourse on the Holy Spirit, you know, and, and bringing the kingdom and, and going through, through that passage and, and all that that entailed about the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> But preparing and talking about the kingdom, wow, I love to hear about the kingdom. I love to hear about what God's kingdom really looks, smells, tastes, feels like. And uh, can't get enough of the kingdom. In the vineyard, that's one of the treasures that I think the Lord's entrusted to us. And so we've tried to steward that well in looking at what is the kingdom of God as we continue to press into the kingdom, realizing that it's inaugurated with the coming of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's got its climax with his return, but now we're in this incredible tension of the already and the not yet. Uh, we're, we're in this season where it's begun, but it's not fully consummated. And we need to understand how then do we live until Jesus returns. So this is a, a great place to, to, to look at today as we see uh, speaking about the kingdom. And Jesus' last command is, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. If Father God promises you something, you think you can count on that one? Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the promised gift. And sometimes, uh, sometimes it seems like we lose, lose the sense of awe that this was a gift that the Father had promised and Jesus had told his disciples about. They had not experienced the Holy Spirit yet, although the, Holy, the Spirit of God had come upon them and they, they were able to see some wonderful miracles and things like that through their hands on a couple occasions when Jesus sent them out. But he had not indwelled them yet. And so he's there. The, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Man, this is, this is amazing. Uh, 
Let's go back to verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, how many of you can deduct that from what Jesus just says in verse 5? You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Oh, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? Uh, A little disconnect there. Okay. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Tell your neighbor, it's not for you to know that. It's not for you to know that. Mm -hmm. Stop trying to guess it. Stop writing 88 reasons why he's coming in 1988. Stop stop, uh, doing that kind of stuff. And if you ever prophesy that Jesus is coming back next week, I'll have to talk to you and bring you aside and say, oh, brother, sister, that's... A wonderful heart. We are looking forward to his return, but no one knows the date nor the time, only the Father. Okay? So don't pretend like you know that. But, oh, don't you love the divine conjunction? But, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's not about having special knowledge. It's about receiving the Holy Spirit and his power. A lot of times it seems like in mainline Christianity, we, we love to have knowledge for the sake of knowledge. And we would, we, if, if we could figure out the times and dates, we would figure it out because we would put all our energy into times and dates. But here, the Lord is, is, is kind of setting the record. It's not about knowing times and dates. It's about receiving power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's about receiving power, folks. A lot of us like to argue our biblical beliefs, and some of us will, will put all sorts of time studying the book so we can win an argument. But it's not about knowing so that you can win arguments. It's about receiving so that there can be demonstrations of power of God's kingdom on the earth. That was good preaching, Rick. Say amen. They'll wake up in a minute. Okay. We've got to receive the power because we're called to be witnesses. We're called to tell what the Lord has done. We're called to tell what the Lord is revealing to us. We've got to be witnesses of what Jesus is doing. After he said this, he was taken up before the very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. Okay? They just saw Jesus die. Now for 40 days, he's... he's revealed himself to them many different times, different ways. He ate, he ate fish. He's with them as they're out on a fishing trip. He comes through the locked doors when they're scared, spitless, afraid that they're the next ones to die. They've gone through an incredible trauma of seeing him suffer, bleed, crucified, and then he shows up. And that's, that's great. I'm sure then... 
the great joy. They were overjoyed, so much joy that it was hard for them to really believe it was real. They were so filled with joy, they, they, they couldn't take in the reality that Jesus in his resurrected body was standing there and was talking to them. And now he's talking to them and he leaves. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm the devil, I will try to bring back every sense of abandonment that I can get and dump it on those disciples at that moment. Because now Jesus is leaving. He, he goes up, he, he's, the cloud hides him, and there they are probably thinking, oh no, we've lost him again. I don't know if, if by this time Peter's been reinstated, and if I was Peter, I'd say, he's never getting away from me ever again. I'm going to hold on to Jesus from now until we go to heaven together. But there, there he is, he's gone, <laughs> and they're looking up in the clouds, and Jesus is gone, and here comes what I would call two angels. Hmm. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Because Jesus just took off and we're still looking for him. They say, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And that kind of gives me some excitement. The way in which he exited is the way in which he's going to return. So looking up, he told, you'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great glory. And so there's, there's something about looking at the clouds. Have you, have you just sat in the grass and looked up at the clouds lately? Ground's getting warm enough, but it's not dry enough. <laughs> but pretty soon, you know, to, to just take a look and gaze at the clouds, it's amazing with the clouds. Yep. They're, they're just an incredible, incredible creation and all that they serve the earth for. And Jesus will come and return upon them. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. Okay, a Sabbath day's walk. That's about three-fourths of a mile. Okay? On the Sabbath, you could only go so far. So it's not a day's journey. It's not a Monday journey. The Sabbath is very, very well regulated. And, and so it was only so many only so much distance that you could travel on the Sabbath. So he gives us that. So about three quarters of a mile, they get back to Jerusalem. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, not Iscariot, Judas, the son of James. Okay, I left that out. You didn't need to have all that, but it's the 11, okay? They're up there. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his brothers, okay? So here at the beginning of Acts, we have this incredible report 
And after everything that they witness with Jesus ascending into heaven and they get to be an eyewitness of that and see him go, now they go back to Jerusalem. They go back to that room, the upper room. And as they go into the room, we find out who's there. The women, probably the women who were present at the, uh, at the tomb on Easter morning. We got the mother of Jesus. We've got uh, the brothers of Jesus, of which we know one is James. And uh, so we have the family of Jesus there. Wow. And later on, it tells us that the room, as it continued to grow, as they're waiting between that day and the day of Pentecost, it's, it's getting up to 120 that are together, gathered in prayer. They're, they're constantly together. They're constantly praying. And, and it's, it's happening. Why do you think there's this period of time between the ascension of Jesus and the release of the Holy Spirit. All the ones that love Jesus are in the upper room, about 120. They're praying. That's good. Good things happen when you pray together. I wonder what else is going on in that room. Now, we understand that the disciples probably didn't always get along. They, they were upset when James and John asked to be on the right and left hand of Jesus, and everybody was filled with indignation that they would be so, so. And so they're always rival. They're jockeying for position. They're trying to do the things. Here, Peter, the leader, apparently, and, and he denies that he knows Jesus three times. And, and what I'm trying to develop, if I had more time, is there was a lot of broken relationships. There was probably a lot of stuff that wasn't out in the open that was kind of going through the relationships of the disciples. You know, here's the brothers and, and they're there and they tried to rescue Jesus once because they thought he'd gone loco. And, and they thought he was beside himself. And they tried to go get him and gather him. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. My, my family are those who do, do the will of the Father, do the will of my Father. And so you've, you've got this, the, the brothers of Jesus versus the disciples of Jesus and who's, who's really brother and who knows. And so you got all this stuff. And as they're there and as they're praying and as they get in, in the presence of the Lord, it's like all these issues probably came up. I, I imagine these days before the coming of the Holy Spirit, we understand how important uh, togetherness, unity, and what division and strife does and, and what unforgiveness does. It gave them a chance for some restoration in the relationship. The text is kind of silent there, but as I've observe the move of the Holy Spirit when there's a whole lot of, uh, of relational stuff that is, that is not clear and is not resolved, it seems to have a, a, a limiting effect on what the Spirit of God can do and how it can manifest. And, and, and so we're, we're, we're in the upper room and we're praying and we're spending time. <laughs> and it's kind of like, I, I wonder, you know, in the course of prayer, the revelation come like, 
man, I really got some stuff against Lisa. Lisa, would you forgive me? And give a chance, an opportunity, as they're constantly in prayer and as they're before the Lord, to get things right in their, in their hearts and their relationships with one another. And so as that's taking place, it's, it's, it's creating something that is attracting, attracting all of heaven and the release of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it, if it had to be that many days, but I, 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 I can imagine that there was a lot of different things that were going on then. You know, some of them saying, you know, Peter, Peter probably said, guys, sorry, I, I tried to ditch this gig and go back to fishing. But, you know, after 153 large fish, you know, what could I say? You know, and, and after Jesus forgave me and reinstated me and restored me and, and all, you know, sorry, I let you down. Yeah. All, sorts of, all sorts of dialogues could have been taking place. The application for us, I think, is, okay, what, what is there in our relationships that we need to attend to if we want to see the kind of environment where the Holy Spirit can come and display incredible, incredible release of power and glory. What is it that we need to, to attend to? I'm not going to highlight anybody but Lisa. No. <laughs> I'm not going to highlight, you know, any... But it, it is, I, I want to give us some time today and, and throughout the remainder of our, our gathering time, just kind of open your heart. You don't have to go fishing for stuff, okay? I don't want you to go fishing things that you've done that have been forgiven and they're under the blood and they're fine. Don't, don't even worry about those things. But the things that the Holy Spirit would reveal to you, the things that the Spirit of the living God would, would kind of highlight and say, you know, Relationship here could be improved. You know, there's, there's some things that you need to take care of. And we know God is a relational God. He's completely concerned about relationships, so much so that if we come to the altar and we have ought against someone, he says, first leave your gift, go make things right, and then come and offer your gift. So there's there's... There's something of a protocol in the heart of a relational father that wants his kids to get the relationships right so that he can then release the fullness of his glory. I don't know about you, but I want more power. I want to see more miraculous things. I'm thankful for all the times that God has brought a healing for every time he's, he's supernaturally come, and sometimes it's one of those time-sensitive measures and the check shows up right when you needed it and those kind of things. Those are, those are wonderful, wonderful things. But I want to see more demonstrations of his real authority and his power. I want to see the things that Jesus did right here in his Gospels that he says that we will be doing the very same things and even greater Wow. I, 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 I'm not trying to get extra biblical. I want to stay within the scriptures. I want to see everything that happens there. Right so uh, if, I, if I read my Bible right, I think uh, resurrection is in order. 
Blindness is, is in, in order. Deafness is in order. People that have physical difficulties as a result of some kind of demonic attachment is in order. Hmm. Blood issues are in order. Hmm. Deliverance issues are in order. Folks that are in prison with addictions, they're prisoners, they're captives. That's in order. That's in balance. All of those. Besides those that just have never known Jesus yet, and they're about to enter a relationship with love like they've never known. That's in order too. Mm -hmm. So Lord, bring it. Bring it. They joined together. They were constantly in prayer. They, they spent that time resolving hurts, issues, anything that the, that the Spirit of God was bringing before them. The disciples were dealing with their own personal junk where they felt like they shamed themselves out of the ball game like Peter had and felt like they have to somehow be relegated to second-class disciples. And uh, we, we see that the women are included. There's hardly anything negative said about the women. You guys are amazing. But here, here we see you're included right there. You're included right there with them. And Mary's there and the brothers of Jesus and they're getting ready for power. They're getting ready for power because they've been told to wait for the promise. Wait for the promise of the Father. Just wait for the promise of the Father. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. Ah, to witness what he's revealed, what he's shown, what he's done. You'll be his witnesses. And I, 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 I like being his witnesses, you know, not when he does something great for Debbie, and it was so wonderful, and I get to tell you, you know what he did for my wife? He did X, Y, and Z. And isn't that wonderful? Oh, we all, and that's good. But I like it better when I say, oh, this is what he did for me. This is what he did for me. He took my heart. He took my heart as wounded and as broken as it was. And he took it out. And he took his heart and put it in. For those that haven't heard my testimony, that happened in a dream. I had a dream, and I just watched a movie where they were harvesting parts from clones so that when my eyes went bad, I'd get my eyes from my clone. It would be my DNA and all this kind of stuff. And I thought I was having a goofy dream like that, just a goofy dream. You know, and, and all of a sudden I looked over to see my donor because my heart was taken out. And I looked to see the heart of my donor, which should look like me. You know, it's, a, it's my clone. I looked over to see it and it was Jesus. And it freaked me out. I, I was just thinking, what is going on? And I saw Jesus' heart come and he placed it inside. And it was like, oh, this isn't a pizza dream. This is a God dream. 
He's taken my wounded heart and he's put his heart in it. And just to add, sometimes the Lord likes to reinforce because you just have a nice dream and you forget about it a couple days. We're having our school, our kingdom school of supernatural ministry and uh, our school of kingdom ministry, excuse me, (laughs) school of kingdom ministry. And we're doing prophetic exercises and we're just supposed to write a sentence to someone and give it to them. So as that exercise was taking place, (laughs) Rebecca, who's in Ohio today, uh, she wrote, Rick, comma, you have my heart, love God. I had the dream on Monday. I got that in a prophetic exercise on Thursday night. Hadn't told anybody my dream. Nobody knew my dream. They heard about it Sunday, <laughs> the following Sunday. They heard about it. But that was, that was just so amazing. So amazing. I like sharing my testimony. It's nice when he does something that you can, you know, say, hey, a good friend of mine, you know, was healed of this. That's good. It's really cool when you say, you know, I had this and God, whoa. It's kind of like our and we. Who, who was it that went from our we to I and me? Yeah. The little firecracker. Andrea. You know, so... Let's make this personal. Let's just take a few seconds. Just kind of quiet, shut your eyes and just quiet everything around you. And just allow the Holy Spirit to reveal. If this was the day of Pentecost and we were all together in one accord and we're praying constantly, is there anything that the Holy Spirit would say, you know, we need to just... we need to take care of this. Could be something outstanding. It could be just something that uh, just needs shined. It just needs buffed up. Something in relationship. Once again, no fishing. But let's open ourselves for revelation. So Holy Spirit, we give you permission for the remainder of our lives to to show when when we need to go to someone, when we need to repair something, uh, when we need to humble ourselves and ask for forgiveness, or whether we just need to clarify. I pray, Father, for all expectations that have uh, been disappointed. I pray, Father, that you would help us in our communication to resolve those things so that there would be a real sense of oneness. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. But the key is not that we just get more knowledge, but that we get more grace to receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon us.
And we know that Paul writes in Ephesians and he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know that that's a, a present indicative or a, a present imperative. It's an imperative, it's a command, but it, it means it has a point in time and space where it begins when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's the idea is to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Continue. So you, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you continually stay full of the Holy Spirit. Now here's, here's a, a metaphor that I heard recently that I think just really helps me understand this a little better. It's kind of like the sails of a sailboat. And we know that Ruach, the Hebrew, is, is the wind or the breath of God. And so the wind of God and the concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the word for filled is the concept that when a cell is full of air, when it catches the wind just right, and it's not just half, but it's completely expounded. It's catching the maximum, so it's going as fast as it can go because it's caught all of the wind that that cell can hold. So as I was praying this morning, I was just saying, Lord, could you just capture all of our cells today? Yes. Could, could, could you show us how to just position our cells? Some of us, we got to, first of all, crank them up. They're down. So get your cells up, okay? Oh, yeah. Everybody get your cells up, put them up, okay, get them up. And then now let's position them. Make sure you don't knock anybody off the boat. See that thing go across. But, but position the sail so it's going to catch the fullness of the wind. Okay? Yes. So Holy Spirit, come. Yes. We invite you to come and to fill the sails of our mind, our spirit, our body, our heart, our emotions, our will. Catch May we catch the fullness of everything that you have for us today. Mm -hmm. Now, if you feel like you didn't catch it, let us know and we'll, happy, we'll be happy to pray and minister for you. Mike, would you be up for that? Yeah, of course you will. Yeah. If, 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 if anyone feels like, man, I'm just not getting my cell up. I don't know if it's if it's a, if it's a physical thing. If I, if I just need help today, um, want want to invite you as we dismiss to come forward, stay around, talk a little bit, and then come forward so that we can pray for you. We really want to see all of us catching the fullness of the sail yes. of God's Holy Spirit today. So, Father, let your peace rest upon your precious ones. Cause them to know that they are loved with an eternal love, an everlasting love, a love that will never, never end, has no cease, no ceasing at all. It, it, it is complete forever and will only continue to grow. And so, Father, secure hearts, secure hearts with your presence and love. And for this we say, oh, come Pentecost Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You have a great day. 
thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.